The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour was born to Austrian-Jewish father and Chinese mother and grew up in a a white middle-class suburb outside of Chicago. After graduating from college, he backpacked around the world for a year during a 12-day trek in the Himalayas. He uh, found his calling as a doctor. He got his uh, MD from Northwestern University, completed his residency in family medicine at the Community Hospital of Sonoma County, California, and then traveled to China, Japan, and India to study acupuncture, martial arts, yoga, and other ancient practices. Shortly after returning to the States, He uh, established Still Mountain Clinic in Boulder, Colorado, where he provides patients a unique therapeutic approach based on his extensive training in both Western medicine and Eastern healing practices. His his, uh, name is Dr. Ja Gottlieb, and he is the author of a new book called Ah, The Pleasure Book, and he joins me by phone. Ja, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Um, what what was it that that sent you trekking about the globe uh, right out of college, and and um, and then ultimately uh, deciding to become a doctor and and then study Eastern practices beyond that? Well, you know, uh, you just touched on three uh, central points in my life where I had decisions to make, like graduating from college. Uh, The world is a big place and many possibilities. Uh, So then how do you decide 
what to do, what direction to go, and what bus to get on. And um, that's happened several times in my life. And when I look back on those choices, it's amazing to me how um, they were perfect for me at the time to get me to where I am today. And the way those choices happened was, you know, there's lots of voices in the head saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And no, you should do this instead. And and how do you know which voice to listen to? Uh, sometimes young people ask me this. And I tell them, uh, for me, anyhow, it's listening to the voice that doesn't speak, the one that's quiet. And, and what that actually means is uh, I feel it in my body. I feel a pull to go in a certain direction, like standing on the shore of a, uh, the ocean, and when the wave goes out, it kind of sucks your feet into the sand. My blessing in life has been to be able to feel that, and when I feel it, I dive in without thinking much, and, and it's, made, it's brought me to where I am. So that's and, the quick answer. And where is that exactly, Ja, how did you decide that um, to explore pleasure in this new book? Well, um, you know, as a doctor, as a family medicine doctor, uh, my life has really been in the frontline trenches of uh, the human experience, which unfortunately also includes uh, a lot of uh, pain and suffering, particularly if you're a doctor. And... And so as I looked into, okay, here's the situation, but how can I help? How can I help these people? I mean, that's really my calling uh, to relieve suffering and, and ideally prevent it. And that took me on a journey uh, upstream to, to look at, well, what's the cause of this problem? What's the cause of that cause? And as I worked my way upstream, to the cause of disease and illness, I was shocked to discover it really has a whole lot to do with pleasure. For, for the vast majority of illnesses that we suffer, the problem is that we are confused about pleasure and in our pursuit of it, which is not a choice, it's a biological fact that we are pleasure-seeking organisms. In our pursuit of pleasure, because of our confusion and ignorance, we end up in pain and suffering. And that's uh, it's a huge problem. So that's how I came to pleasure. Yeah. And how much does our own thinking impact our ability to really get and appreciate pleasure? Well, um, it really has a whole lot to do with it because like many uh, aspects of our human existence, it's a combination of culture and biology. That there is the way we are built biologically and then we place over it a template, a cultural template of uh, beliefs, uh, myths, values, ideas, which is our thinking, right? So um, how we think about pleasure has a huge impact 
uh, on how we experience it. And sadly, for many people, that when they hear the word pleasure, their first thought is sex, and their first feeling is uh, a bit of shame and guilt. And is that something that's, uh, I don't know, specific uh, to culture in the United States? Um, I'd say that it's not specific to culture in the United States, but it is uh, rather characteristic of Western culture in general. Western culture uh, has a, a, a difficult relationship with pleasure that you don't find in other cultures. You've spent a great deal of uh time and, and effort to learn Western medicine, but also Eastern healing practices. How do those two things complement each other, or is it a lot of either or? It, 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 is, uh, it is complementary. Um, it, it's, it's a bit difficult to wrap our mind around. But, but here's the, so when most people hear uh, about alternative medicine or holistic medicine, uh, they think of, okay, there's this holistic medicine and then there's conventional medicine and they're, they're two uh, separate things. But actually, the whole includes everything. So conventional medicine is a part of holistic medicine. And, and the reason that this is difficult is we tend to think in black and white terms, either or, as you mentioned, like right, there's no right. middle ground. But, uh, and this is very characteristic, again, of Western culture, this kind of binary thinking, good and bad, light and dark, uh, you know, whereas in Eastern Asian thinking, and in really non-Western cultures, there's this more holistic idea of everything's included, everything's interrelated. Um, and, and so this is true of Western medicine and other forms of medicine. Uh, the, I'm not sure I'm making myself clear, but the idea is when you think of the whole, you're thinking of both and, as opposed to either or. It's a, yeah, words, that's a, a great. Tent. That's a great way to put it, John. Ja, because I was, um, when you were talking about the the duality of so many things, black and white, mm. uh, you know, yeah. day and night, glass half full, half empty. I, I'm I'm always one that says, why don't we put some more water in the glass? <laughs> Yeah, and and, exactly. and and that's kind of what you're getting at when you talk about holistic. It's, you know, both and. Correct. Both and. That, if we could just think more like that, can you imagine what our world would be like instead of either or? Either you're uh, gay or you're not gay. Either you're white or you're black. What if, we were, what if we were like both and? Then it means, okay, hey, you know, we're all human beings here. We're all part of the same human family. We all have children. Uh, we all uh, want the best for ourselves and our families. Uh, well, look at, how ca- like look at how caught up we are 
in the um, in in American politics, where it's exactly. you know either or. Yes, you know, and it's, either either or is a powerful way of controlling large numbers of people. You basically break them down into uh, splinter groups. And if you can get them to fight each other, then they're not going to fight you. Well, we've, <laughs> we've even seen, you know, wearing masks become political. How, how, how could that happen? It, it, it's so uh, absurd. I mean, you know, I, I have traveled widely. And in uh, Japan and China, for example, people have been wearing masks in public for at least 20 years. Uh, and why? Typically because they have a cold. And so they put on a mask, uh, you know, when they get on the subway and so forth, and everyone just accepts that, oh, and, and what a nice way to be, so then I don't have that person to cough on me. It's so simple. Really, it, it's not political at all. It's it, just it, common it's, sense. It's funny how it, how it got that way. Um, is the timing of this book, Ja, at all tied to the fact that we're, um, you know, about to come out of our bunkers and our various degrees of quarantine, um, a, a good time to sort of rethink what pleasure well, we, is? We, yeah, I, I think that the, the first big reset uh, has taken place during the lockdown where we have been deprived of our usual habits. And it's, and it's been hard, you know. Uh, we are creatures of habit. Uh, but there's also something good about it because we get stuck in our habits and uh, sometimes being forced out of it, which is, you know, why people choose to go camping, for example. Uh, and eat over a little camp stove because it breaks habits. And in that process, it refreshes our nervous system because our nervous system works in terms of contrast and comparison. That's the uh, what I call the third immutable law of pleasure, that uh, we compare things all the time. That's how our nervous system works. If, if, so getting back to that binary idea, of uh, light and dark, uh, you need both in order to see, right? If, if you're in a whiteout, if you're skiing and the snow is coming down in a blizzard, you're essentially blind because you have no contrast, you have no shadow. That's right. You can't see where you are. Similarly, hey, John, if you're walking... John, yeah. I, I hate to interrupt, but I have to go to break here. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? I want to talk about the uh, the four levels of pleasure as outlined in your book and as you referred to a moment ago, the uh, seven immutable laws of pleasure. The name of the book is Ah, uh, the Pleasure Book, and it's uh, written by Dr. Jock Gottlieb, my guest this hour. We're going to let our broadcast partners... Uh, Right. Uh, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break and uh, and then we'll come back and talk some more with uh, with Ja if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we'll be right back everybody's doing a brand new dance now hi this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue my conversation with Dr. Jog Gottlieb, the author of Ah, the Pleasure Book, in which he uh, looks at pleasure as a prism of experiences. He joins me by phone. John, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, I'd like to go to Flint, Michigan. Sounds like a great place. <laughs> it, well, it actually is. How did you end up, uh, just parenthetically, how did you end up in uh, Colorado after going from Chicago to the east and well, California? Well, you know, my, uh, my father is Austrian, and uh, so he would take a skiing. I actually went to ah. the Boyne Mountain in Michigan. Oh, there you and, go. And... Uh, one uh, when I was about sixteen or seventeen, uh, I was in Vail, Colorado, on a ski trip with my father. And at lunch, there was a clutch of girls, uh, real suntanned with uh, pigtails, braided pigtails. And uh, I said, well, "Where do you guys go to school?" And they said, "CU. That's Colorado University or University of Colorado." And I thought to myself, well, that's where I'm going to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to get into the, uh, to the book. As I mentioned, uh, you look at pleasure as a prism of experiences with four levels. And I want to talk about those levels, but I also want to explore the, the seven immutable laws of, of pleasure as well, as, as you outline mm. them in the book. Um, let's let's start with the the four levels. Uh, actually, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be easier to do it the other way around. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, because the the first immutable law of pleasure we've already spoken about, and that's called original wholeness. That we were born from pleasure, and you were born for pleasure. It is your origin, source, and birthright. So we are originally whole, uh, and we're originally, in that sense, perfect. And um, the second immutable law is the law of colors. And, and this is where pleasure comes in four colors, red for physical, green, emotional, blue, mental, and white, spiritual. So those are the four levels of pleasure. And uh, let's talk about them now. The uh, first is red, because uh, red is kind of hot. And physical pleasures are direct, and uh, you know they awaken our senses. We feel them more intensely. And it is at the, I think of it as a prism, that is, any pleasurable experience if you shine it through the pleasure prism, it, it creates a spectrum. It breaks it into its four components. And the first component is red physical. And we all understand that. Those are the pleasures of sex, food, uh, warmth, comfort, uh, those types of physical things. The next level is green for emotional. Green being the color of life. And uh, emotional pleasures are very important to us. Those are the pleasures of happiness, joy, love, uh, fun. 
The third level is blue because blue is a little bit more abstract and thoughtful. And those are the mental pleasures. These are the pleasures that come from having a uh, pleasant thought. Like, uh, my life has meaning and purpose. The thought of a, a fond memory that makes me feel good. The thought that I have enough money in the bank. These are mental pleasures. What's interesting is, and important is that when the red, green, and blue uh, colors come together, like on the screen of uh, your computer or smartphone, they form the color white. White, in that sense, includes all the colors. Right? Black is the absence of color. White includes all the colors. And a white I associate with spiritual in that sense. So that the highest level of pleasure, spiritual pleasure, is uh, approached by not leaving the lower uh, levels, but by going down, by descending and working through our mental, emotional, and physical aspects of pleasure and aspects of our being, when they come into balance, we naturally uh, have access to the highest spiritual level of pleasure. So those are the four levels. And uh, just parenthetically, uh, these aren't something that I just made up. They're not arbitrary. They're based on biology because our human brain has gone through three distinct levels of evolution. The reptilian brain, which is habit formations. Uh, the mammalian brain or limbic brain. That's where emotions come about as we live as herd animals. And then the monkey brain. You know, which we is where we do our thinking and where we do a lot of our mischief, actually. So that is the second law, uh, immutable law of pleasure. The third law we were also already talking about, and that's the law of contrast and comparison. That is, um, our nervous system works in terms of contrast and comparison. And, for example, you step on an elevator. Uh, you feel it lifting you, and then you don't feel it anymore. Um, you buy a new car. Uh, you get in, you smell it, uh, you drive it, and you go, wow, this is so great. And after a couple of weeks, you know, it just comes and falls into the background. So that's an important part about pleasure, because whatever you have, whatever you're enjoying, you soon grow used to it, uh, habituate and then it's no longer so thrilling. And, and then we start looking for uh, new pleasures. The fourth law is thresholds, uh, the law of thresholds. And that's a bit uh, more subtle. It has to do with the threshold between pleasure and pain. The fifth law is cycles. Pleasure comes in cycles of active pleasure. You know, like uh, imagine yourself uh, going out for a run. That's active pleasure. And then it cycles into passive pleasure. That's the endorphin high uh, afterwards when you're uh, resting and feeling so good. And then it comes back to neutral pleasure, which is um, the, the third part of that cycle. 
And then the sixth law is the law of desire and surrender, uh, which is uh, that pleasure is an inner dance of effort and relaxation. We have to try, but we also have to relax. And then the last law is renewable pleasure, uh, which is the last chapter of my book, Renewable Pleasure for a Sustainable World. And that looks at pleasure as a natural resource. So that kind of is the main points of my whole book. Well, when you talk about, um, you know, the, the, the final chapter, um, mm. is, is pleasure something that happens organically or is it something that we... I, I don't know exactly how to how to phrase all this. Um, is it is it something that we can pursue? I, I mean, I know there are certain kinds of pleasures that we do pursue. If I like to ride my bike, yes. I go out and get the bike and go for a ride, and it, and it feels exactly. good. But can we make ourselves um, more open to appreciating pleasure? Yeah, Tom, you you are uh, exploring what is pleasure, and you're coming up against, like, how do I even talk about this? Um, (laughs) You you caught me, (laughs) Ja. No, no, listen, this is exactly why it took me over 15 years to write this book, because these questions are not obvious, not easy. We all know what pleasure is. We, we slip into a, a bathtub and we go, ah, which is why my book is called ah, uh, A-A-H dot, dot, dot. We go, ah, and we feel it. So we, every one of us knows what pleasure is, and we know how to find it. It might be, uh, you know, spending time with our loved one. It might be making that special uh, bolognese sauce. <laughs> or, right. or what have you. Uh, but but then what, what is going on here? Because it seems so elusive and it slips away. And then what I thought was pleasurable actually is putting pounds on around my waist, and that doesn't feel good. So it's, it's a complicated dance to try and tease apart what's going on here. Yeah, you mentioned uh, putting pounds on. I, I've 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 uh, increased a couple of uh, waist sizes. Uh, mm. Thanks thanks to COVID, I I call it uh, you know my COVID pounds from boredom, uh-huh. boredom eating. <laughs> right, right. So that's like pursuing the pleasure of food because there's nothing more interesting to do. Well, and and that's uh, that's been the case, and now that we're um, coming out of that, um, mm-hmm. some people are are a little bit reluctant. Should should they be, or is this a time now of of getting out and trying to get everything back? Well, um, you know, life has a life, as you know has bumps in the road, and uh, we all have gone through them. We go over them, and then we go down, and, and we kind of crash. It could be an illness. It could be a, a, a bad fall. Uh, it could be a lockdown where 
um, we are we've been diminished as a result of one of the bumps in life's road, and and then the question is, well, now what do you do? So uh, when I have patients, particularly older patients who go through a surgery, um, they've been knocked down. They've been knocked off the horse and dragged uh, for a while. And what I tell them is, look, uh, I know this is a rough place, but you want to step up to it uh, and come back stronger than you were before the bump. Because if you don't, you will have gone through this surgery and you will have taken a quantum step down in the aging uh, process. Uh, the same thing happens to women who go through childbirth, for example. Uh, you know, they're slim and attractive. Uh, they put on 25 pounds uh, with that uh, pregnancy. The baby comes out and and now they have uh, this excess weight. And if they don't step up to it and come back stronger, they'll just maintain that weight until the next child and then more, and that's how, how it goes. So, yes, I think uh, knowing that we've been through a bump in the road and then getting really clear with ourselves that all right, you know, I, I am getting back. As my father uh, used to say, uh, life is uh, five times down, six times up. <laughs> Excellent. Um, again, the book is called Ah, The Pleasure Book uh, by uh, Dr. Ja Gottlieb. And Ja, we mentioned earlier when we first started talking about how you've studied both Western medicine and Eastern healing practices. Um, how much is that blend present in your book, uh, The Pleasure Book? Um, how, how much is um, Western philosophy and how much is, is Eastern philosophy? It, you know, um, it's interesting, Tom. I, I never set out to practice East-West medicine, uh, nor to write a book that had that those types of themes. Uh, but the fact that you know uh, my father being Austrian, my mother Chinese, it's just in me. And uh, so the book, not surprisingly, is a blend of both East and West. Uh, looking at pleasure from multiple points of view, because as you know, we've been talking, it's a complex phenomena. Um, so, you know, the book starts out with looking at the history of our relationship to pleasure in the West, which goes back to the Old Testament and Genesis, you know, the, the story of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve and the apple and all of that. Um, and it also starts with Greek philosophy, that they had a different view of pleasure, uh, specifically Epicurus and Aristotle. And then it goes into the natural history, it goes into the neurobiology, which is definitely Western science, and how do the pleasure circuits work. But then uh, 
it builds to the high point of the book, uh, part four, which is the mystery, the mystery of pleasure. Well, what happens when we, when we go, oh, what is that? And that uh, is very much about Eastern philosophy, yoga, meditation, um, because they just happen to have the best language to speak about it. And then the, it closes with uh, uh, the art and practice. You know, what are the practical things we can do to enjoy life more? So it's a completely a blend. Tell me about the Still Mountain Clinic in Boulder. Well, uh, that I started in 1984. And it's no longer uh, a going concern. I, I still practice medicine, but on a, on a much uh, simpler scale. Um, and that was really one of the very first holistic medical practices in Boulder and one of the longest lived. So are, that was great. Are, are doctors, um, by and large, around the United States um, becoming more open to turning their practices more holistic? You know, um, the, the sad thing is, um, uh, I, I've had a long career in medicine, you know, 40 years, and I have watched my profession uh, get closed. You, you use the word open. Our, my profession has been closing down and closing down and closing down. I mean, uh, when I started medical school, uh, being a doctor was a noble profession. It was a calling. And I have seen that my noble profession reduced. So doctors are now really healthcare workers and uh, paid salaries, hired, uh, and in that sense owned by the hospital. And uh, doctors have been large, largely reduced to high, highly trained, highly paid technicians. And the art of medicine, the caring for people, has uh, been pushed to the side further and further, and medicine has been corporatized. And I talk about this in my book, because this is not just happening in medicine. This is happening throughout our whole culture. Everything is being reduced to a thing and everything is, we're having object-object relationships as opposed to people-people relationships. It's really quite sad. Is this your first book? It is, yes. Are there more in your future? <laughs> this, this one took a long time. So uh, I, I am working on the workbook, the companion, uh, the pleasure workbook. Uh, which will be even more hands-on. Uh, and I do sometimes entertain. Uh, there's a few other things I, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, uh, after writing a book on pleasure and thinking about it for over 15 years, I am really clear that life is about enjoying, enjoying ourselves and the people around us. And so, um, yes, if I can write the book in an, in an enjoyable way, which I might be able to do, then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would certainly write more. 
I, I, I was wondering if, uh, you know, if maybe you got the bug. When do you expect the workbook will uh, will be finished and, and available? Uh, yeah, in the next um, in the next six months for sure, and hopefully much quicker. And then there'll be workshops and online webinars, and uh, you know, I, I want to teach that is spread this information because we need to as individuals and as a culture rethink uh, pleasure that that is deep part of our nature not something to be denied but to be embraced uh, learned about practiced refined so that in our pursuit of pleasure we actually get it we get the happiness the fulfillment um, the rewards of living a good life and um and then finally, uh, well, let me just remind people that the name of the book is Ah, The Pleasure Book by Dr. Ja Gottlieb. And um, Ja, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website currently? Yes, yeah, so that, that is the best uh, portal to connect to anyone who is interested in going further. And that is at uh, drjamd.com. And that's D-R-J-I-A-M-D.com, drjamd.com. And there, uh, there's just a wealth of information. And you can see the book trailer, which I'm really proud of because it's so fun. And uh, you can take a quiz. Find out your pleasure quotient. There are um, audiovisual uh, links. Um, there's uh, excerpts from the book. There's an audible book excerpt. You can listen to me reading my parts of my book. Uh, so yeah, it's got a lot of information, and it's d r j i a m d dot com. Well, Ja, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning, and keep up the good work. It, it has been my pleasure. Take care. You too. Again, that was uh, Dr. Ja Gottlieb, and the book is Ah, The Pleasure Book. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music>
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, oh. hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or slugger's disease, John Bickerson had finally consented to allow Dr. Hershey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Bickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John, who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Listen. Oh, it's like being married to a steam shovel nurse. Cough's normal. Enjoy yourself, dear. Dr. Hershey's waiting for you in the corridor, Mrs. Bickerson. Oh, hello, doctor. Is he resting? I gave him a sedative. That'll quiet him down. Well, he isn't very quiet. Oh, well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. I won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatsoever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hershey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? I would say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure he'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically certain. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first thing about seven. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll just stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. Oh, I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. John! John, wake up! What? What's the matter, Blanche? Uh, what's the matter, huh? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, and I, and I hung up... John, uh, we're in the hospital. What for? Is somebody sick? No, you're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring, and I was afraid you'd wear it off before he got a chance to operate. You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs another $5 to put another cart in the room. And I intend to use it. I can't get one night's sleep. Where's my nightgown? Not even in the hospital. I don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do this. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you going on about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around with a short uvula. Don't be so crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm just sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling with that mirror and put out the lights? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't even know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short, and they don't bring out my eyes. 
Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. What kind of a remark is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. A what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it for the new hairstyles. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Oh, darn it, I can't get out of this dress. Blanche, what are those things? Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chairs. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. No one can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear. I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No, put out the lights. Oh, I wanted to glance at the paper first. You go ahead and go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. Well, I won't be a minute. No one would believe this. In six hours, they're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest, and here I'm... Shh! I can't concentrate with you mumbling. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. Listen to what's... Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. Oh, that's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. I see the stock market is going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Peterman's preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is that now? In the ground. I can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We'll, uh, sneak out, huh? No. I think you should make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercies of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, they'll... Don't talk like that. Can't you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. You could be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up now. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and make out a will. Well, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You are the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything besides you. Okay, so now... You've got it all, my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief, marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Hershey. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money. He'll drive around my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, (laughs) loaf around like the French, 
Never do a day's work. Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? And then screaming like that. Push up and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. She practically walks me into a funeral. Mary's a doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. I'll never sleep. Another wink as long as I... John, the telephone. The telephone. Answer no. it! No. Who, who the dickens is calling? Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table beside your bed. I thought I was, uh... Hello? Mrs. Renesis, this is your maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't he 413? I don't know what this is, but I'm not feeding any babies. A way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. No, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble? I can just see... Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I won a turkey in a raffle, John. You've got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I've got him tied to your bed. On my bed? What'd you do that for? I'll have the whole thing full of feathers. What'll we do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays a beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Blanche, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. I don't think I want you to have it. What's the least I can do for you? Kept you awake all these years with my snoring and... When Dr. Hershey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But if you stop snoring, I'll never wake you up, will I? No. And if I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. Well, that settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on, we're going home. (sighs) I give up. Thank you.
logic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 